Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast, the show where I sit down with former Amazon executives to discuss Amazon's unique principles and processes and tease out how you can apply them to grow and manage your business. I'm Tyler Wallace, a seven-year former Amazonian, current brand consultant, and your host as we learn to think like Amazon. Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast. I'm pleased to welcome Justin Maynard back to the show. I originally spoke with Justin as one of the first guests in episode three. So if you missed that episode, be sure to go back to hear more about Justin's 10-year career journey at Amazon. Today, I'm excited to dig into a new topic with Justin, Amazon's Earn Trust Leadership Principle. Justin, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Great to be here. You've been one of our most popular guests on the show, also one of the, the first guests on the show. So it's really great to circle back and have you back on. And I'm really excited for this principle. It's one of my favorite Amazon leadership principles. But in talking to you before the show, you also mentioned that it's one of your favorite Amazon principles and one that you've given a lot of thought and worked on throughout your career as well. So to kick it off, I'm curious to understand a bit more why this is one of your favorite leadership principles. Yeah, favorite might be too strong of a word. Um, I, I, what I'd say is it's, it's been the leadership principle that I've had to focus on the most in order to progress in my career. And so it's where I've learned a lot and I have a lot to share about it. And so in that sense, I'm really excited to be able to share some of these things that I've learned because it has been such a struggle over my career. So what about your career progression or the experiences you've had made this leadership principle surface or why has this become so key to your personal development? So taking you back kind of through my journey, I had been at Amazon a couple of years and done some great things. I had just moved up into a management position. I had some great wins under my belt, a good reputation. And I was starting this process of getting promoted to senior manager. And so my manager went out and started collecting feedback about me to see where do I stand? Uh, is he ready for to get this promotion to senior manager? And one of the topics that came back was around this earned trust. And honestly, I was really surprised because like, wait a minute, because, um, you, you know, you've got to understand I'm a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've worked in a, a variety of settings, like I've been a, a salesperson, a sales manager, done volunteer service as a missionary. I've done a lot of things where my success depended on successfully working with others. And I'd been successful in those situations. So I was really surprised to see that this earns trust working with others would come up as a development area. But as I stopped and took a look at the feedback, I, I could see where people were coming from. Because what you have to understand is that I really love building. I love producing. I love getting stuff done. And I tend to be pretty practical about this. Uh, I can get very focused on my own goals. And I'll definitely put those goals above getting distracted with goals that don't align with what's important to me. And so while you know this is really great on the one hand and had served me well up to that point, when you think about it from others' perspective, it starts to make sense how this starts to become a liability because they're starting to see me as a leader in this group. They want to see me as someone who will pitch in and help out uh, with the broader goals, not just my own goals. So they want to see me as someone who's got their back, who's going to take the wins that I've had and now help empower them to see similar success. And those were the things that I was falling short on. So I had to learn to start to get better at focusing on the bigger picture, on focusing on those around me and, and sharing more of the wins and making sure that I was not just implementing them in, in my group, but in all the groups around me and, and spreading that influence as much as I could. And so as I focused on that, it definitely helped me grow personally, 
help me progress more in my career and help me and the people around me achieve even more. Maybe for the benefit of everybody listening, because you alluded to earn trust being more than just being a nice guy and, and being able to get along with others. The earn trust leadership principle at Amazon is defined as leaders listen attentively, speak candidly, and treat others respectfully. They're vocally self-critical, even when doing so is awkward or embarrassing. Leaders do not believe that their or their team's body odor smells of perfume. They benchmark themselves and their teams against the best. Uh, so I'm curious to hear a little bit more. And I know this is a little bit personal because we're talking about your own career journey at Amazon. But in my experience at Amazon, earned trust was often talked about as more of an ingrained behavior in that it was harder to teach relative to some of the other leadership principles. So when you got this feedback about, hey, uh, this is an area to focus on, I'm curious to hear how you started to address that. And what is your perspective on the ability or likelihood of somebody improving their earned trust? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Because I think when I first got this feedback, that was kind of my perception is that, okay, this just comes naturally for some people and not as naturally for other people like me. As I mentioned, I tend to be a little more methodical and analytical. I like to drive for results. And it seemed like those things were not going to be compatible with this high ability to earn trust, which in my mind often felt kind of soft and fluffy and, you know, going and do coffee chats when you don't have any purpose. Uh, you know, so I, I tended to see relationships as too much transactional. But what I found is, so if you fast forward a couple of years, and, and one thing I'll, I'll mention too, Tyler, is I do agree with you. This I often heard that this is the top leadership principle that surfaces as people move up in their career. And I definitely saw this to be true uh, for myself and others as well. And so I, I think there's some truth to that. Or I've heard it said differently outside of Amazon, where some people say it's your IQ that really helps you in the first half of your career. But as you go along, it's your EQ, this emotional intelligence that becomes more and more important and really helps you achieve those higher positions and levels and, and scope of influence uh, later on in your career. So for me, if you fast forward a couple of years, I'd been promoted to a senior manager. I'd moved to the Canada team where I had this full team under me. And I was also the country leader for our in-stock management function. And so this now required me to work with like dozens of other teams and, and influence their roadmap and do a lot of things that really relied on this earned trust leadership principle. And so, again, I was still like this didn't come naturally. And I was kind of struggling with how do you do this? That sometimes it seems like the things you had to do to earn trust seems so impractical to me and and not like aligned with how I thought about the world. So I went to our VP for advice about earned trust. Now, our VP at the time was a bit of a paradox to me because on the one hand, he had this reputation for being really strong on earned trust. But on the other hand, he didn't seem like the type that was cut from that same cloth as those where earned trust just came naturally. So I was really interested in what he had to say, and, and, and I was not disappointed when I talked to him about it. So I asked him just, how do you think about earned trust? And his first reply to me, well, the first rule of earned trust is that you have to do what you say you're going to do. Now, the thing is, that seems obvious, but believe it or not, it was the most practical advice about earning trust that I remember hearing. But that's not all. He went on to share with me the system he had developed for himself to keep track of his commitments and staying on top of what, what was important to others in his sphere of influence. And this was like, just as like, oh, okay, wow, it's like a really practical system that you have for doing what you say you're going to do, which in his mind is the first rule of earned trust. 
He then went on to share with me his system of how he would do what I think of as earning trust at scale. And this just blew my mind because one of the things at Amazon, we often talk about mechanisms and a mechanism is just using a set of tools, processes, systems to consistently turn inputs into the outputs that you want. And so, as I mentioned, like up to this point, I've always thought of this earned trust as like touchy feely, has to come naturally. But here I was chatting with someone where it didn't come as naturally to them, but instead they had learned to use their analytical, methodical nature to create these mechanisms of earning trust. And so I learned that earned trust can be broken down, it can be analyzed, it can put into a process and a mechanism. And I learned that I could approach earned trust in my own unique way rather than trying to have to be like other people that I'm not. And that was a real inflection point for me of approaching earned trust from a really different perspective where I feel like I made much bigger strides when I try to approach it in my own way. So, you know, going back to your original question, can the ability to earn trust be learned Absolutely. And I think you can do it in your own unique way of finding your strengths and finding a way to apply that to the earned trust leadership principle. That's very interesting. Can you share a little bit more about what that system or mechanism entailed? Yeah, this was really fascinating. So one of the things about earning trust is that people don't love to be surprised. They want to be kept in the loop. They want to know uh, what what's happening. And I can share like this specific example of I went to meet with the, the tax guy for the Canada team. And he was so frustrated with the entire Canada team because he had been burned so many times where there'd be some new initiative and would spin this up, they'd go get Jeff B approval or whatever approval needed to be happened and would march forward with this thing. And then a week before the launch, they would, oh, hey, has anybody talked to tax about this? <laughs> there were all of a sudden be huge tax implications. And that was a real trust breaker for that tax team against whatever team had done that to them. So what our VP told me about is this process where when he had some big initiative that he was going to do, he would very purposefully try to get the most senior person that he could find to review this. And it might be Jeff Bezos and say, we're going to do this review. And then what he would do is he would identify every stakeholder, every requirement that might be on this that needs to happen to make this project a success. And then he'd go and he'd meet with all of these teams one by one and say, here's this project. Here's what we're working on. Here's what we would need from you. Are you in or are you out? We're putting this together for this review. We just need to know what's going what's to go well, what's not going to go well. And so he'd go in with this document where he has now spoken with everybody. Everybody has had the chance before it's been approved to go out and get the resources they need to be able to see if they have it, if they have any blockers, anything. And so by doing this now, everybody has full transparency, which I think transparency is one of those key things of earning trust. And so now this project, the likelihood of success has gone way up. So his likelihood of delivering is going to go up, which is a key element of delivering success. Do what you say you're going to do. And everybody's on board and any of those problems can be addressed right at the very beginning. So he had used this time and time again. And when you talk to people, they just loved it. Um, we went to this party for the Canada team. And I remember seeing the tax guy there, which was, you know, he wasn't the happiest, most lively person. <laughs> And here he is, walked up to our VP, shaking his head. How are you doing? It's so good to see you. And I'm like, what in the world? How did he make friends with him? But it's because he would have this system of identifying everybody who's important and not leaving anybody out and then bringing them along. And the fact that he was at that party just shocked me. (laughs) So he had to remember. So just a very analytical, methodical approach to making sure that everybody's in the loop. Everybody knows what the deliverable is. Everybody can be in or out on it. 
I, I think that's great. It's very straightforward, but as you explain it, you know, it makes so much sense. So how do you think about the different components of, of earn trust? You, you talked about doing what you say you're going to do. Are there other key areas of the earn trust principle that are important to focus on? Yeah, as I've studied trust, there's a the framework that I found that I like the best um, that has helped me kind of really think through this and the various aspects of it has four dimensions, honesty, consistency, ability, and concern. And I, I could probably spend all day on breaking these down and how I've thought about them and studied them and try to implement them for myself, but just kind of give a, a high level overview of each. Honesty is the first one. And obviously, you know, never tell a lie. That, of course, breaks trust very quickly. And we all know that. But there's a lot more to honesty than just that. People who are more authentic and transparent are easier to trust. If you have like one facade that you put on in one place and then you're a different person over here, those types of people are are a little harder to trust. I also think that leadership principle of have backbone and disagree and commit, which it mentions, is a key one. Somebody who disagrees with you, but then doesn't say anything and then maybe passive aggressively later kind of disagrees with you. Those types of people are, they're harder to trust. You're going to trust somebody more who's going to tackle a disagreement head on right at the beginning. And then you know what they're thinking. I think another key part of this is knowing your own blind spots. It's hard to trust somebody who's not really even honest with themselves you maybe give them some feedback about earns trust, like what I'm amazing at earns trust, you know, and they, they have this blind spot that they don't realize they're not very good at. It's like, well, okay, you're, you're making it harder to trust you because you don't know yourself very well. And then finally, biases. Biases are like these small dishonesties in a similar way, the blind spot, they're these small dishonesties that we don't realize that we have. And so the more that you can work on your own personal biases, the easier it is for people to trust you. The second one is consistency. And we talked about nobody likes surprises. And that's kind of an inconsistency, like suddenly, oh, this project is not going to launch. So giving people bad news early and often can help build trust. Trying to avoid making the same mistake twice. You know, Amazon does a lot of correction of errors. And I think that's a part of this earned trust principle is that you've made a mistake. Cool. Let's really do the introspection we need to understand it, understand what we have, root cause it, and make sure that doesn't happen again. And teams that are really good at correcting those mistakes are easier to trust. The other thing that you can really do with consistency is tell people how you're going to make decisions and use frameworks to minimize any emotional decision making. Some people are really good at this. So, you know, we've got five options here. Here's the framework we're going to use to decide between these five options. And we'll move forward with that. And uh, boy, you can think of a lot of political decisions and uh, decisions with your local leaders and whatnot that, man, if they would just tell you how they're going to make a decision would gain so much trust with people. And then give updates frequently and then really just develop the skills of doing what you say you're going to do. The more you're able to set goals and and achieve them, people will do that. Or when you're not going to miss them, uh, being able to adjust your estimates and tell them why not. Even being able to give good estimates up front as to how hard or how much, what the blockers are going to be, all those things can help you be more consistent. And then finally, ability, you know, your skills, your knowledge, your wisdom, it's it's easier to trust people who are really good at what they do. I I remember when my daughter broke her ankle, teenagers are obsessed with mom and dad, don't you trust me? And they use this trust a lot. And I was thinking about this at this time when my teenager broke her ankle and you had this crew come, this medical crew come and we're taking care of her ankle. And I remember thinking at the time, even though, yeah, she trusts me, 
Uh, would I trust myself to help with her ankle? Well, of course not. I'm not trained in that. I don't have anything, uh, any skills to offer there. So I wouldn't want her to trust me. And so trust isn't this universal thing that you either trust somebody or you don't. It can be very specific to the skill set that they have and what they're good at. And so skills and gaining the knowledge and wisdom and showing that you have that is a key part of gaining trust. And then finally, concern. It's hard to trust somebody that's selfish, that's in it for themselves. Uh, I kind of mentioned, alluded that at the beginning of that was something that people were, were worried about me is, was I just in it for my own goals or was I going to be able to help the overall team? And so doing things like listen more than you talk, uh, showing uh, compassion, uh, responsiveness can really help. Uh, replying, I, I read some research that replying to people in less than an hour can build trust with them. Uh, remembering the details of people and actually having showing that you're concerned for them as a person can really help. So a lot of things you can do around that honesty, consistency, ability, and concern. I love that. And you certainly have a lot of thought and great tips within each of those. One thing putting an Amazon lens on this is I definitely recognize a lot of overlap with ownership, you know, especially in, in kind of doing things for the best of the company and the team and not yourself. And Learn and be curious in terms of developing the expertise in those needed areas to help. So a lot of different Amazon leadership principles that are benefited as you improve earn trust. And there's this synergy between the leadership principles. Justin, you mentioned earlier that earn trust is an area that becomes increasingly important as you rise in your career. And you certainly had a lot of career progression in your 10 years at Amazon. Are there certain components of earned trust that you found to be more critical or increasingly important for somebody that is being promoted or taking on a broader scope of ownership? Yeah, two thoughts come to mind with that. You know, I, and I really like how you're talking about these other leadership principles. In fact, one of the books I would recommend that I felt like really helped with earned trust was uh, Extreme Ownership. And this book is great talking about Jocko Walenki in working with Navy SEALs, uh, his leadership principles that he learned. And one of them is this ability to take extreme ownership, which is when something goes wrong, it's really easy to point at other people and say, oh, it went wrong because of this. But those are really not very helpful. What's really helpful is when you boil it down as to what could I have done better? And, and always look at what is the point that I earn. And if your leaders are making bad decisions, well, you're the one often empowering them with the information that they're using to make decisions. So how do you get them actually out onto the floor to see the project or, you know, in his case, actually to the, the battlefield where they're seeing what's happening and am I doing enough of that? And so there's always something that you can do more of. And when you do that, it, it really empowers you and helps you to take that ownership and people are going to trust you more when you do that. The second thing that I have found is how to deal with your blind spots. What I've come to realize over time is that we all have blind spots and the hard part about blind spots is that you are blind to them. You, you don't know that you have them. That's the nature of a blind spot. And what you do know is that you've often, you feel pain in that area because this is, these are the areas where you've often tripped and fallen and you have bruises and bumps. And so you become more protective of this area, even though you don't realize it's there. And so as people start to give you feedback, sometimes that means you'll close down. Sometimes you'll circumvent it. And I'll, I'll just share with you one example of where I felt like I was able to successfully navigate this as a blind spot. So I'd received this earned trust feedback over the time and it, it varied and I got better at certain areas and I still had to work on other areas. Uh, but I was at this one point where I'd taken on this project that was going to be the widest, most expansive project I had taken on yet. It touched a bunch of other really big teams. 
And so I knew this was a moment where I had to thrive at earning trust across the organization. And so one of the things I decided to do was I was going to go meet with every one of the leaders from the critical teams that we we needed to get kind of taking a, a you know a chapter out of the book that I had mentioned of my VP from Canada. And I started setting up these meetings and chatting with them. And, and one of the VPs, um, he was in San Jose. I sent him an email saying, love to sit with you for 30 minutes and do this. And he's like, well, hey, I'm in San Jose. Why don't you come down here and we'll chat? And I'm like, what? He wants me to travel down to San Jose for a 30-minute meeting? And my knee-jerk reaction was, okay, he's just trying to brush me off. Like, maybe he's joking around with me. Maybe he's like testing how serious I was. I'm like, what, what is it? It just, it didn't even fit in my mental model at all as to why you would ever spend an entire day of travel and all of this other stuff for a 30 minute meeting. I was thinking through all the tasks I wouldn't be able to get to that. I have to either delegate or do something with all the balls I might drop. And I'm like, no, but at the same time I caught myself and I thought, okay, this is a relationship matter. Uh, this falls under the bucket of Ernst Trust, and I know I have some blind spots when it comes to Ernst Trust. So I went and chatted with my manager, who was fantastic at Ernst Trust, and I said, hey, does this make any sense to you? And he's like, oh, yeah, you should totally do it. You should go go meet him. You've got a VP inviting you down to spend some time with him. Yeah, you got to jump all over that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How could you... How could he see it so differently than I did? But I think one of the principles of a blind spot is that you have to find people who are really good at this and just trust them (laughs) trust that their judgment is better. I have seen so often that people will defend their blind spots. They know they have a blind spot in this area, but when it comes to these areas, rather than trusting people who are good at it, they will keep arguing the point that they think they are right. And so you have to kind of learn to give it up and just accept this is a blind spot for me. It's going to take a little while of doing it and just trust other people. So I did. So I went down there, met with him. He extended it to an hour. So I got a full hour. But yeah, I spent almost an entire day just meeting this guy. Well, fast forward a few weeks and I had a friend who had met with somebody that was on my team that reported to me and asking him how things were going. He's like, oh, it's really good. And he's like, oh, really? Tell me what's happening said, well, Justin went and has been meeting with all these VPs and he met with one of the VPs where we've really been blocked on that team. And after he met with them, the team has just been so much more responsive and helpful working with us. And my friend told me, he's like, you know, I was thinking about everything that you did this, uh, this year. And he's like, I, you know, that was probably one of the most valuable things that you did with your time because it made such an impact for your team. And so I, in my mental model, had thought about all the tasks I had to give up, how much time, it just didn't seem practical. And I missed this picture of the fact that going and establishing this connection with this the, the VP of this team, one, it sent a really strong signal to my team that I was I have their back. Um, this project is important to me and it's important over here. Two, it sent a signal to that other team that, hey, these guys are on board with this. This is an important project. It needs to move forward. It needs to get the resources. Um, And three, I now had this uh, relationship with his VP. And as there were issues, we could very quickly resolve them rather than it being, you know, we don't know each other very well and didn't have that trust. So in the end here, I was going to dismiss it. And yet it was one of the most important things that I did. So it was just a great example of how to overcome a blind spot. Yeah, that's so great. And what that really hits home for me is that to develop earned trust, you can't just do that in isolation. You have to depend on other people to help you. And so the humility, as you mentioned, as a, as a key component is critical in that area. If you hadn't 
been open to doing something outside of your mental model, you would have never had that experience. And in hindsight, you can see the tremendous results that come from that. And so again, just to add one more to our laundry list, uh, our right a lot is another leadership principle that you can be right more often when you earn trust and you seek those diverse perspectives and do things outside of the way that you've done before, have that growth mindset. I love that story. Justin, I know that we've talked a bit about how earned trust and focusing on different approaches has helped you in your career. You've also led, mentored, managed many people, either directly or within your organizations. How have you found success in helping others develop earned trust? Yeah, so one of the pieces of feedback I have often given my team is around avoiding the ego bias, I'll call it. So one of the things that you'll often hear in the workplace is somebody We'll be trying to get another team to do something that you know they need for the project or something. And that team will be tough to work with and not giving them the answers they want. And it's easy to get frustrated and you'll come to your manager or a coworker and you'll kind of do this insider thing. Yeah, it's easy to, with the person that you trust, say, you start to do a little bit of gossip or complaining or slander of that other team. And you'll things like, oh, that team is so dumb or that team is a mess or Maybe you'll go to your manager as to why you're not getting the resources and like, I don't know, the director over there is just clueless. He, he doesn't get it. And you can hear phrases like that, that, that aren't very helpful. One of the things I'd often tell my team is when there's a, a disagreement that a good litmus test is, can you state the other party's argument as articulately and persuasively as your own or as they would do it? And when you can do that, because what usually happens is you just don't understand their situation. They have maybe some other big priority, some project that's urgent that is on their team or some big customer issue. Who knows? Maybe they're short staffed uh, because of what's happening. And it's really easy just to let your ego of we're better than them kind of get in the way and just say, yeah, that team's a mess or uh, yeah, they don't get it or whatever. That team's so dumb. And when you fall into that, you move into inaction. You can't really move along. The thing to do is actually go under, over there and understand. And when you come back and explain it to people, say, yeah, they've got three other priorities where they're working on. It's this, 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 and this. And so uh, this project over here just does not f- f- fall in line with that. And when you do that, it opens up what the path is. Okay, cool. So we have to make this either a higher priority or we not use them, or here's the things that we're going to have to do because they're working with those three priorities. The That team is a mess. doesn't really inspire action. And so I found that as um, we've coached our team, one of the mechanisms that Amazon often uses to that helps with this is the hotly debated topic where you have to present both sides of the debate in a compelling way in order to put it in a document. So that's like one mechanism to to be able to use with this. So things like that, boiling it down into what is actually happening, what would the other team describe the situation that same way uh, is going to give you that full lead and, and help you earn trust. Those are great examples, very applicable actions that can be taken to help others earn trust with teams and stakeholders. So we've been talking, Justin, about earning trust. And I think it goes without saying that in many cases, it requires a lot of effort to earn trust, but it can be really easy to lose trust. Are there any caution signs that leaders should be aware of to avoid losing trust once it's been earned? Yeah. I mean, there's there's several. I think kind of going back through the, the framework, especially on the consistency one, I think is the key thing. Some of the caution signs is 
if there's another team or a party that you're wanting to keep trust with, like how often are you talking with them? Is there a regular cadence of touch bases and things? Is there some kind of feedback loop that's happening? If things go south, what's happening? Do we have a common set of metrics that we're looking at? Do we have a common set of things that we're doing? That's a key point to keep in mind. So fast forward now, you went from 10 years at Amazon, one of the largest companies in the world, and you are now the CEO of DataSpark, which is also tech, but in a startup in a different environment. Have there been areas where you've had to adjust your application of earned trust? I don't know if there's been so much that I've had to adjust, but I think there have been certain elements of earned trust that have been really important in this role. One of the things I learned at Amazon is how to focus on what's really important as a part of earned trust. At one point, I was leading the sampling program, and there was another individual I was really struggling to get along with, which is odd. I I get along with most people, but they would just say and do things that would really get me worked up, like get my emotions going. And I didn't really understand why at the time. I've since come to realize a lot of this was just like this ego of wanting to be right. And so I decided to read the book, uh, Crucial Conversations. It had been on my list for years. I'd had a class from the, one of the, the authors and had just never gotten around to it. But I thought it might have some of the nuggets that could help understand this situation and the why. And it had exactly what I needed. It had this experience in there that really kind of helped tame this ego of remembering what you want the most And it's going to sound funny, but the experience that stood out to me the most was where the author talked about the, I'm probably going to get the story exactly right, but this is how I, how it came out to me is of these two kids uh, running up to go use the bathroom. They both need to go to the bathroom. And one of them says, I get to use it first. I, I was here first. And the other one says, no, but I really need to go worse than you do. And the other one's like, yeah, but you went first last time. The other one's like, but you always get to go first. And you can just hear them. And, and this was an actual story of the, the author's kids. And they just went on and on arguing for like two or three minutes about this. And at the end of the day, had they just, you know, they both had to wait way longer to go to the bathroom because they sat there and argued this. Well, it seems like a silly, childish kind of experience. But does this ever happen in the workplace? And what I realized is that, yeah, it absolutely does. Hey, uh, finance team is saying that we have to do this analysis. Isn't that supposed to be on their thing? Or, hey, they're trying to say that we fell short in this area over here and we did not fall short. We did that, da, 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 And you can kind of see these examples of where we get really worked up over these small details that when you ask yourself the question of what do you want the most? Well, these kids really wanted to go to the bathroom the most, although you couldn't tell it because they're arguing over these really small points. And the same thing happens in the workplace. What do you want the most? And so what I found is that when you have these situations where maybe you're going to be working with difficult individuals, high ego individuals, whatever kind of individual it may be, and they might trigger things in you that are going to get this emotional response, keeping in mind what you want the most can help you get past that and just brush some of this stuff to the side. Because you're not going to earn trust with people when you allow your emotions and your ego to start driving your conversations and your decisions. And so remember what you want the most. Often that is we're trying to launch a product. And so if something goes wrong, somebody says something that isn't quite right, just think, is that going to slow us down from launching this product? Nope, not going to do it. Is it going to slow us down from getting more customers? Nope, move on. And the more you can do that, the faster it'll move and the little easier life will be. I imagine that focus and moving fast are key elements to what you're doing today at DataSpark as, as you bring some interesting things to market. What are you most excited about with the future of DataSpark? 
Connecting actions to outputs, meaning we have been in this for a little while now and got a bunch of really great data sets where we can now tell you the precise actions you need to take and how much it's going to improve your outputs. So this has been really, really fun. So like we'll take a brand and we can tell them what is their, what are their sales and their market share. So we can precisely tell them, hey, look, you are up, you know, 400 basis points month over month in your market share or down 400 basis points or whatever it may be. And then we can tell them, break that down into, all right, you're getting this much traffic or impressions. There's this many people clicking on the, the detail page. This many people are adding to cart and this many people are checking out. And then we can then break that down and say, and here are the items that are driving the difference from whoever is doing it best in class. And then we can tell you, all right, is it content? Is it pricing? Is it uh, your in-stock position? And we can break this down. And then we've even done all the statistical analysis to be able to analyze and say, all right, if you need to focus on content, is it the title? Is it the image? Is it the bullet points? Is it the description? Which of these things is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck? And what's interesting is focusing on Walmart. Walmart is so different than Amazon. Um, There's been so much study of people looking at Amazon and the number one mistake people make is they take their catalog, they put it onto Walmart, and they often walk away and expect to get like this 10% entitlement that they should have. And what you find is that some brands are killing it on Walmart, doing like amazing, and others are getting like this small percentage. And it's because of all these factors that they have not optimized for Walmart. Their pricing isn't right. Uh, It's uncompetitive, or that they have some gaps in this. Their content isn't optimized for it. And then the really big thing is Walmart loves this two-day delivery. And if you look at the stats on this and uh, the correlations with uh, with sales, man, two-day delivery will help you in every step of the customer journey. You're going to get more impressions. You're going to get more people. The, the click-through rate is going to be better to the product pages. You're going to get more add to cart. So I'm super excited to be able to like break this down for brands and then help them know exactly if they have limited resources, where exactly they should put that to get the most output. I can hear your passion through you talking about what you're working on here. I think it is very exciting. There are many people that that try to get data that is usable and useful for a business. And then the next big step is, well, how do you use that data to actually drive actions? sounds like what you are doing is really delivering both of those as a full solution, gathering and collecting the data, but then also turning those inputs into the outputs, turning those into the actions that will drive change for the business. So as a quick plug for anybody interested in learning a little bit more, check out datasparkco or you can connect with Justin at Justin at datasparkco or on LinkedIn. Very excited for you. Thanks again, Justin. This has been insightful and educational to dig into this earn trust leadership principle, understand the different components, hear these stories of how you've thought through and learned about this through your own career and helping others as well. A lot of key applications and tips that I've taken away (laughs) that I will be thinking about. And I'm sure many of our listeners will as well. So thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, you bet. 